Genius, it takes a lot to get on my show. Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know. You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius, get onto my show. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. You know, every once in a while, you get a chance to sit down and talk to somebody that you really get along with, that you're kind of a kindred spirit to, uh, somebody who shares some of your intellectual ideas and ideas about art and about humanity, and it's great. It makes for a really interesting interview, an easy interview for me, for sure, and what happens is we just end up having a nice conversation, and I get to record it and people are okay with that. That's the best part of my job, and that happened today with Peabody Southwell. She's a terrific uh, polymath of sorts. She's interested in all sorts of things. She's highly accomplished and performs everywhere around the world as a mezzo-soprano. She also does uh, stage design and costume design, and uh, it's great to meet somebody like that because there are all sorts of interests that I have, and uh, I don't meet a lot of people that actually exercise all of their interests, or at least some of their interests, and are okay with it and aren't ashamed of it for some reason. Uh, so anyway, I had a really nice time with Peabody. I want to thank her for coming by. It's always nice seeing her. I've known her for quite a while, and uh, we don't see each other very often. But when we do, it's always a really nice time, and we got that on tape today. So I hope you enjoy our chat, and as always, thank you so very much for listening. Oh, and one more thing. I forgot to mention Gregory Geiger, who helped me with this great theme song of mine. He's also a terrific voice teacher. He's got a great studio in Pasadena. If you're interested, why don't you go to laclassical.com. Thanks again. I was just about to say something. Um, podcast candor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thing about this podcast is that, um, it, yeah, it is. I'm trying to make it revealing. I'm trying to make it not an interview. Mm. And like this thing with Blair that I did a couple weeks ago, it wasn't good. I mean, I didn't think. I, I'm, I've gotten some really nice comments about it, but I've just, I had like so much turmoil inside mm. that I just couldn't, um, I couldn't listen. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I like overprepared and then I just couldn't ask questions that are, that she and I both, both knew that I knew the answers to, you know, it's just, right. that was just terrible. So. Is it because you don't know her or you did know her? I, di I didn't know her. Oh, that's probably it. Yeah, so that's part of it. So I find that when I have, like, when I have people that I know over, it just, it just seems so much nicer. But the trick is to find out how to do that with people that I don't know. Yeah. Which I'm generally used, I used to be pretty good at, and then I put the microphone in front of myself, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> good, I'll get nervous too. It'll be great. <clears throat> no, don't get nervous. <laughs> We're just here having a chat, that's good. all. No, my only nerves are ever about any kind of interview is that I'm just way too forthcoming no. about everything. I'm too honest. You know what? You uh, And I don't play the game very well. Well, I don't either. And that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. So if you say something that in retrospect, you're like, ooh, I, I don't want... I'll Should absolutely cut that. it. Okay. No. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Say whatever you want. Strike it from the record. Curse. You can curse like a sailor if you want to. That's hey. very... Turns me on. Um, so, um, tell me about the show that you're in, uh, Anatomy Theater. Anatomy Theater yeah. is by David Lang and Mark Dion. Mm -hmm. Um, it was conceived by Mark Dion, who's a visual artist who is, uh, fascinated by archive, essentially. He's, he loves... Like historic archive of some yeah. sort? Yeah. I see. I mean, one, one piece of his that I found particularly interesting 
was for the Venice Biennale. Mm-hmm. He did some kind of uh, exhibit where he dragged a net through a canal and then labeled and displayed every object that he found. Wow. And That's so that included like 15th century glass and a two day old condom. And, uh, and it, it's a beautiful, he has this kind of um, real fascination with objects and the, the way that historical objects interact with the present. So that's a, that's a, that's awesome. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I think he's sort of a champion of the archaic. So the idea of looking at something that was absolutely part of culture for so many, for hundreds of years, Mm -hmm. um, anatomy theaters were, it was absolutely acceptable and accepted. How did he come across? I mean, how did he come across the idea to do it or I think that he, I know that he did, um, a piece where he did a live or a, a theatrical dissection of a goat for a zoo huh. and had an actual anatomist dissect this dead animal and discuss the organs. And based on that, when David Lang approached him and said, hey, want to write an opera with me? Um, you're an interesting person. Let's do this. Do you have any ideas? And he had just done that dissection piece. He said, why not do an opera on anatomy theater? That's mm-hmm. a really weird thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, David, who's like a child in a prolific composer body, was like, of course we should do <laughs> this incredibly bizarre piece about anatomy theater. Yeah. Mark Dion told a hilarious um, antidote the other day that it was only about six months into their writing of the piece when he realized that they weren't actually going to dissect a corpse. Are you serious? He was sure. I mean, sure. it's not a snuff opera. <laughs> yeah, he was sure that it was, they were, you know, they would source the corpses from some morgue and get, you know. Wow. And, and David was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is opera, magic of opera. We get to use a singer and then she can sing yeah. after she's dissected she can be alive it's, it's and how did you get involved i mean did, did you do you know either of them personally or i did not i didn't know either of them i basically david had a relationship with a with a mezzo soprano who was part of bang on a can mm-hmm. for many years and um had a long association with philip glass this phenomenal um mezzo soprano and he wrote it for her what what who, who is it do you exactly know? this is a good question yeah i forget uh, is French. it? Uh, oh, okay. It, it's not Kelly O'Connor. No, no, no. Okay. This was in 2005. Oh, I see. Okay. And she was a bit older, and, but she was absolutely in their network, mm-hmm. and they wrote it for her. Mm-hmm. And shortly after, they did a workshop of it in 2006 mm-hmm. at the Ridge Theater, where the director, Bob McGrath, it's his company. Where's that? Where's the Ridge Theater? In New York. In New York, uh-huh. Um, they did this workshop and then she tragically died shortly thereafter. Um, and then they Whoa. shelved the piece okay. because they didn't have, you know, they didn't, he wasn't, it was too personal. Wow. And then it was actually Beth Morrison who was hoping to do something with David, had done mm-hmm. a couple of projects with David and said, let's make something big like, mm-hmm. let's do something together mm-hmm. and she was sort of just combing through his archives on his website and mm-hmm. saw this piece that mm-hmm. ha- w- was listed without a premiere she said what is this piece anatomy theater you you know what is it and he told her the story 
And she said, well, you know, are you ready to revisit it, to bring it back? And he was like, let's try. Can you find me a singer? Mm -hmm. And Beth had seen me in some things. And now uh, you kind of do, you do a lot of kind of offbeat productions. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of part of your thing. Those are my roots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's been cool to sort of get back, get back to my to my beginning with but, that okay let's go let's 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 go there now what's okay. the, what's the beginning how does that how does that pan out like so first of all did you grow up you, you grew up here in Cal, in los angeles yeah yeah born and raised in the palisades no no where please show me God. show me where <laughs> i was born in glassell park glassell park okay and which then, is like hipsterville now which was not <laughs> <clears throat> right 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 <laughs> in fact we moved when i was five after the eighth gang shooting in our driveway oh my god um okay but we had a great house with a lot of fruit trees i remember it being idyllic brothers also, and do you have brothers and sisters i have a younger sister you do she spent six months there before we moved to sierra madre Sierra Madre is great. I love Sierra Madre. It's, it's kind of really. up in the foothills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, we're the second highest. Oh, like up. Yeah, we're up in the canyon. Oh, that is so cool. It's kind of like Hippieville up there. Super Hippieville. Yeah. yeah. You could get contact high just walking around the canyon. Yeah, I've always thought that was really charming up there, actually. <laughs> yeah. And you've been, and so your parents have lived there for a long time now. Yeah, they've been there, for, yeah, 25 years. I see. And were, were they in music as well? So my dad is a lifelong music lover uh-huh. that would be an understatement uh-huh. music obsessive but it's his it's his avocation not his vocation exactly i see he started thinking that he was going to go into music he had a successful rock band in new york oh he did <laughs> yeah what what did he was he a singer or what, he guitarist? was a, he was mostly he was a lead guitarist and rhythm guitarist sometimes yeah. and backup singer have you heard any of his stuff oh yeah really yeah there's it good? There's, there's albums and what was yeah. the name? Do you know the name of the band? All Six. All Six. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look that up. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they kind of, uh, they fell apart when everybody went to college. And sure. um, my dad was the only one that was like, no, we yeah. must be rock stars. Yeah. Um, while the rest of the band went and became doctors and lawyers. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the story of my life, too. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then he sort of... Um, fell into fine art because he'd always sketched as a kid but didn't think anything of it mm-hmm. and then uh, a teacher of his in school was like hey those are good you should do art school so he went to art school he then went into film and became a production designer in film really yeah so oh, that's, that's why we live in los angeles do you yeah. know what what movies did he work on any big any big, big ones things? well I mean, wow. his first couple movies were some of my favorite movies his first film was the godfather part two what and You've Blade got, Runner. Are you serious? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. The Goonies. Oh my god. The Muppet god. Movie. I've heard of these. These are good ones. Yeah. That's wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your sister, did she get into singing as well? Or my sister very proudly does not identify as an artist. Oh, she doesn't. Um, though she totally is one. Okay. Um, she just denies it. She does all of it. She basically is a beautiful artist, a painter sketcher she could play any instrument she picked up instantaneously she's a beautiful voice she's a compelling actor but she has no interest whatsoever in it she's in physical therapy getting a doctorate well that's that's a good gig yeah (laughs) (laughs) and how about your mom is she an artist as well my mom is the quintessential artist who does not make art aside from with four-year-olds so you take after your dad and your sister takes after your mom yeah I see. My mom is a is a remarkably brilliant preschool teacher 
Probably because she's a four-year-old in a woman's, grown woman's body. And your folks are still together? They actually split up just um, like five years ago after oh, 40 years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, prior to 40 years. I think we talked years. about this actually yeah. years ago. That's right. I to- I'm sorry. I totally no, forgot. No, no, no. So tell me how you got into doing these offbeat productions. When you, Well, first of all, did you, did you sing in high school? Did you, when did you start singing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I sang from uh, supposedly before I spoke. I okay. always communicated in music. Mm-hmm. Um, I made up my own little songs and just had a great time singing. Singing was play yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish that were still I true. was just going to say, <laughs> yeah, I like how you use the past tense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel that way most of the time, too, actually. I, you know, it's hard to... Um, I think sometimes I do take advantage of the fact that I earn a pretty good living just singing songs. And sometimes it's sometimes, you know, I just get tired of it or it's hard or there's politics. And but really, we do have a pretty, pretty sweet gig, pretty good life. It's yeah. It's I mean, what do you imba- think? What it's do you- embarrassing to complain ever. That's the thing. But then sometimes you, you just have to kind of complain a little bit. I don't know if you should feel bad about that. Yeah. Well, we could jump right into that stuff. Let's do it. But that, I, I find um, there's a there's a big difference between aiming for something you think you want and getting it. Yes, yes. Um, certainly, there are benefits to having achieved what I've sought. Yeah. And I there are moments that I'm so humbled and grateful and overwhelmed with, you know, total... Joy I mean, do you have? It. Do you have? Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I've, I, I guess, the regrets that I have are mo- mostly perceived, or like what ifs, or oh, really, or things like that. Oh, you yeah. should shake those off totally. Yeah, I know I should, of course, yeah, of course. It's nonsensical. And I have some regrets about like not doing well, not singing well. Mm. I, that sucks when that happens. Yeah, I, I, mine are are far more based in wow, look at how hard I have worked to get where I am. Mm-hmm. Do I want to be here? Yeah. What are you, what's that about? What, are your, what, what, what part of it do you not like? Well, I had a big, basically two years ago, I had, a, I had that, that moment hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh-huh. What were the circumstances? What, what, what brought you to that? I think I just, I was totally overworked. Uh I had not, I was so happy about being offered things Mm -hmm. that I completely forgot that I could turn them down. Mm -hmm. And so I overbooked myself completely. Well, there's a big fear about turning things down too, right? I mean, like somebody else is obviously going to take the job and that person's going to get called back next time and it's not going to be you. I mean, that's an element for me. Well, and I'm so, you know, I'm I'm really, I'm an optimist. And Mm -hmm. so I get really giddy about... Like, oh, well, that project, I could do that, and yeah. I could do. Yeah, and, yeah. And, oh, well, that person really values me by offering me this, and I want to. But you actually can't do everything. That's and true. particularly, I've started to really own how athletic singing is mm-hmm. and, and doing singing jobs. Mm-hmm. So I, when I was doing so many singing jobs in a row, I booked myself nine months mm-hmm. without a day between contracts. <gasps> oh, my God like an idiot that's really bad for your voice well and also (laughs) because i I, because i sing sufficient in both directions Mm -hmm. i completely mispaced it i did you know three contralto roles in a row which i should never do because then my whole voice was rooted really low right right. and then i suddenly the next job was 
the highest soprano contracts I'd ever done, which I absolutely could have done, but not after three contralto yeah, right. contracts. And then it just, I, I completely mismanaged myself. And what was the, what, what, ha did anything happen practically to your performance or things absolutely. like that? Oh, so that, that so kind of sparked hit, this yeah, I hit crisis. A wall. Uh -huh. I hit a total wall. I mean, to be standing on stage of Davies Symphony in San Francisco, two feet from Michael Tilson Thomas, who is literally bathing me in joy and like the most beautiful and, sure. conducting. Mm -hmm. He is so positive and on generous, stage. It uh -huh. is insane mm -hmm. that in that moment, I was singing Stravinsky's Pulcinella, which mm -hmm. I can sing upside down asleep in a coffin. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to literally disappear through the floor. Oh God, that's the worst feeling. I've had that feeling. <laughs> I was just done. I just, I had no gasoline left. Yeah. I was completely empty. Yeah. And I, and that was the moment. That was the moment that I was like, what, what have I done? Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Mm -hmm. But of course, then I backed out of all of my contracts for the whole summer, including doing a, a major series of concerts at, in Ojai for, of Boulez. Oh my God. Um, Presumably for Boulez, he then end up, ended up passing, yeah, which yeah. was a tragedy unto itself. So sure. I had shame about that. Jeez. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> but uh, there was some real concerns that something had happened to my voice, that and, I'd done something. Yeah. But I, I didn't. I just had completely run out and of... You, yeah, you had kind of a come to Jesus moment. I did. Yeah. So what did you decide? What came out of that? It was a profound epiphany. Mm-hmm which basically was that I had valued myself as a singer only uh -huh. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for my entire life. Yeah. And that's really dicey when you don't sing well. That, that's, right. a, that's a real tough place what, to be in. Then what you're, the fuck do you then have you're left? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I've had the same thing. It's crazy. Yes. It is so absurd to think that way. Yes. Because then when I realized that I, that that was where I saw my own value yeah, and I assumed that's where everyone else saw my yes, value. Yes, that's another huge element to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Then I started to desperately search myself for other y y things. Yeah, forms what that, am that, I? That, that increase your right. worth. Yeah. What am I outside of this, right. uh, outside of singing? Right. The other, the big element that you just touched on too is that when you don't sing well, not only do you lose your identity, but you somehow like in this f weird fantasy world that that singers kind of cobble together you've also let down all the people that have supported you yeah and so like you <laughs> so you don't value yourself and you've so firmly convinced yourself that nobody else values you anymore either and then somehow somehow that that's true and that's okay neither of which are the are, are, it's completely are right. insane it's completely insane however i think it is totally trained we are taught to feel that way. I think so too. I think in our society, just for everybody in general, and then singers and performers, like just uh, have that cherry on top, which put us above everybody else as far as neuroses go. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's completely true. You know, our, our, we, we are valued in this society by what we do yeah. and how much money we make and how big our house is and how shiny our car is and not for who we are and the good deeds that we do and the uh, being a good friend or being a good daughter or being a good son or husband i mean it's it, it yeah so i i know what you're saying yeah that's it's, all i'm trying it's to say brutal no it's, it's brutal. this brutal 
but the the great i mean i am so grateful for hitting my breaking point mm -hmm. that way because the reflection that occurred because of it mm -hmm. in that summer that i took off mm -hmm. this was last summer mm -hmm. um i could not believe what i found when i looked what, what, what yeah go into that what do you mean so unbeknownst to me who was totally monofocused on singing mm -hmm. for all these years mm -hmm. um i have been a designer and a dramaturgy obsessive mm -hmm. um you know since i was the as young as i was singing three and four and five i was doing all of the things that i am now doing in you know very formally uh -huh. I have been doing my entire life. I simply didn't identify it as valuable. Now, designing, what do you mean by designing? And what, and what? Well, so I, uh, I have always curated my space. Uh -huh. And I have always, I have a total and utter weakness for beauty. I oh, also I do too. See, Aesthetic. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. we're artists. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. I, I cultivate beauty in my environments i cultivate beauty in the food that i eat I and try it's and do the same thing it's totally yeah. specific to me yeah and but i assumed that all humans do it and i think that all humans have the capacity for appreciation of it and can learn to mm -hmm. cultivate it in themselves mm -hmm. but not everybody does it mm -hmm. and that is a valuable skill and I didn't know it. Yeah, I feel the same way. I don't know. I, well, you I, should be a designer, I, I man. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I mean, I keep my office in a very particular way that's different from the house. It because is I come in here and I'm like, okay, this is this is me. I can relax. Yeah, this is a stellar space. Yeah, you, you're on it. Thank you. That's yeah. very sweet from a professional. <laughs> so how does that manifest itself now? I mean, what, when you had that epiphany during the summer, what did you decide and how did you act on it? Well, it was bizarre because essentially all the chips had fallen already since mm -hmm. I was a child mm -hmm. and I simply had to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. So a decade ago, near almost exactly, I met James Dara, who is my most uh, crucial collaborator. Mm -hmm. We mistitled our interaction as love and, and foolishly were married, which was a terrible oh, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I met him actually. You, yeah. What line? What line of work is he in? He is probably he's, he's the an, most brilliant director that I have ever known. Oh my god. Yeah. Opera director. He he's kind of spans the thing. He's he's quite well known for opera. Um, I I haven't worked with him. I'm sorry. I, I didn't. No, I didn't he know we he doesn't work in L. A. Okay. Very much. Oddly. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when we met at UCLA in grad mm -hmm. school. I was in music and mm -hmm. opera, and he mm -hmm. was in theater, film, and television school at I UCLA. See. And, uh, but his entire aim in grad school was to direct opera. Oh, so wow. he marched himself down to UCLA and met with Peter Cazares, who had just taken up the post. Sure, the I just worked with Peter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And said, I want to direct opera. What can I do with you? And he created a collaboration between the two departments that hadn't existed in decades. Wow. And he and I met and immediately knew that we had great connection mm -hmm. something so we needed to do so things needed to occur mm -hmm. between us mm -hmm. and how did that develop into something romantic i mean what well we're not you know when you're 22 23 uh -huh. and how old was he he was 22 oh okay um when you're young and stupid we weren't creative enough to know 
that that kind of connection could be something other than romance. I see. Because society doesn't tell you yeah, about yeah, yeah, platonic about relationships yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. are between a man and a woman that are that are art-based. Right, right. When in truth, there are hundreds and thousands of, of them, uh, some very iconic, of which I'm pretty pretty uh, studious about. Yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with Nabokov and uh -huh. his wife Vera. Sure. It's a little scary, actually. Sure. But that idea of partnerships, um, either with romance or without, but that art is the fruit of that, of that connection. And did you know like, when you became involved that way that it was not going to work, like off the bat, or what? How, how does that how does that shake out? Because you guys were together for a long. You guys were together for a long time, isn't right? It? You were together for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, you know, we we were weird, and so we we figured we we did we. Who knows, honestly? Okay, that's we fair. thought. I think that we thought. Um, well, like he's terribly beautiful is a side effect of things, and yeah. I think you know he viewed me as an art object also, mm -hmm. and so that helps. Mm -hmm. um, and we had. I mean, I would never take those years back. Because um, I remember when we worked together for a long time for Dulce Rosa, you were <laughs> you were right in the like in the weeds. In the weeds. That and, was weedy uh, time. I remember. Yeah, it was really tough on you. So you guys obviously came out of it okay. And yeah. Yeah, we came out of it okay. Uh -huh. it, I mean, it, it's hard. It's, it's actually a very similar pattern to the wake-up I had with my career. Like, we both thought what we wanted. We were aiming for something we wanted, yeah. which was a marriage uh -huh. between two artists. An artistic marriage, yeah. 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 And then we got it and mm -hmm. realized it didn't work. I see. But that didn't mean that we weren't totally invaluable to each other yeah and compatible artistically yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so what happened we created um uh what we call an artist collective mm -hmm. that is called chromatic mm -hmm. and the basis of it was uh basically we the two of us mm -hmm. were the model mm -hmm. which is artists that have a distinct discipline mm -hmm. cross collaborating across disciplines Boy, that sounds something I'd love to be involved with. That well, sounds get awesome. on board. Man, that sounds great. Yeah. So right now we have a roster of 17, but our larger network is, you know, in the mm -hmm. well, hundred people. Mm -hmm. um, but it's basically, it's very uh, philosophical. Mm -hmm. We're pushing an agenda mm -hmm. to change the process of art making professionally. And how does that, how does that, what kind of product do you, do you produce a product that reflects that? Or what, what is it that you do? We, we didn't start out aiming to self-produce we we had to when you know your strengths you also have to know your weaknesses sure. we are both and the rest of our of our team we're all so art focused mm -hmm. and so absolutely pathetic administrators okay um we have no interest in fundraising or administration or, and, yeah mm -hmm. which is really a weakness and however we right when we finished grad school we just made the decision we were not going to self-produce Oh, so this is something that started a long time ago. We didn't give it a name until a few years ago. I see. But we have been functioning this way right. with this core group of artists mm -hmm. for nine years. Mostly Angelinos? Mostly... We're mostly LA-based mm -hmm. artists, but we make almost no work in LA together. Okay. We do a lot of pre-production here. We have an office in the Arts District that I designed. What? Uh, yeah, a big loft. Wow. Right next to Verstkuche. Oh, man. Yeah. That's great. And the yeah. pie hole. Yeah, it's cool. Mm -mm -mm. Beth Morrison rents the spare bedroom in it oh <laughs> when my she's gosh. in town. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful place. That's not where you live, though. That's just where you work. James lives there the 10 days a year he's in Los Angeles. Oh, I see. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I made it for him sort of as a divorce present. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And what... and. 
do you I want to go back to this design thing do you um, well I don't know what jeez oh, so many questions I know there are so many questions because what you just brought up <laughs> is so interesting to me I mean how yeah how often do you participate in, in creating projects with this chromatic group well, I'm uh, so my title in the company is creative director. Okay. And uh, James, I, he he plays with his title a lot. I think right now it might just be director or something mm -hmm. like president or captain. Mm -hmm. I call him our captain. That's nice. Um, like you're on a ship. Yeah, we're on a ship. <laughs> so um, he usually jobs will come through. He's represented by the most brilliant Caroline Woodfield of Opus Three, so mm -hmm. a real significant player. And so she'll get a call and says, James, we want James to direct something for us, either an opera for, you know, mm -hmm. we just started a relationship with Lisbon Nacional. Mm -hmm. um, we have ongoing collaborations with uh, Louis Longre. Mm. Uh, Michael Tilson Thomas mm -hmm. uses us a lot. Wow. Um, I do things at New World, and we've toured things like with fully Michael. stage productions, semi-stage productions. Yeah, so we're installation pieces, all of it. Oh wow! Yeah, we do events. We've done like giant immersive gala events in functioning steel factories. Um, we try not to have too many boundaries on what we're wow. up to. We've done marketing campaigns for companies. We've done. Um, art films as part of uh, symphony presentations. We we kind of do it. We wow. if there's something that someone wants done mm -hmm. artfully, mm -hmm. then, then we will bring someone on our roster. Will be the right person for it. So when you're in town, are you over at the office quite a bit, or what? What do you? Yeah, I we, mean, who's there all the time? Well, the, I mean, the office. Um, the it's usually our meetup space because uh -huh. it's a giant loft uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, so we do a lot of communal dinners there whenever whoever's in town um and that's so important because basically because each of the artists have so many independent projects mm -hmm. everybody's doing their own sure thing sure but the we need each other to as a creative bank yeah, sure so when james gets a big job that he brings in the team and he pulls it from chromatic mm -hmm. and he sits down and then we bring everybody who even the people who are not necessarily assigned to that to that show My project will uh -huh. say like what do you guys think about this mm -hmm. like Just we're thinking ideas around yeah we're thinking about setting magic flute in a bdsm mm -hmm. dungeon mm -hmm. thoughts <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then that gets discussed and 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 then the artist can say i'm working on this you know photography gallery for this space what mm -hmm. do you guys think about this concept mm -hmm. and then we, we God, fuel idyllic. each other yeah. we try to feed each other it's like a salon yeah yeah that's amazing um and then more formally i uh i have functioned as uh as a designer and i do a lot of concept for mm -hmm. for the productions that that we've done mm -hmm. um but what's so funny is i did it completely secretly what from for from from everybody from yeah from the public eye yeah i didn't for, know anything about it for i mean eight years wow until last year wow so james would get a job and then he would come to me and he'd say i got this job i'm really excited yeah do you what help? do you mm -hmm. what do you think about it mm -hmm. and then we together would sit in our house and with our the rest of our team we would craft this thing and i had a big hand in it and wow. even i didn't acknowledge it wow 
because I was so protective and James was so protective of me being yeah. a singer because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what he thought I wanted. Yeah. And it's funny when um, people who think of you as a singer, especially the people that hire you in this business, see you doing something else. It kind of muddles their idea of who you are and where you fit in what they need. Exactly. It can be a little dangerous. Yeah. Well, any singer, and this is so archaic, it's so lame, yeah. really. Yeah. Because in the whole rest of, of Western culture, multiplicity is uh, being prismatic and having a lot of slashes in your title mm -hmm. is absolutely a value absolutely and, and current yes. everybody is doing this it's yes. like i am this and that and this and that and yes. that means i have all these skills and you want me for that reason mm -hmm. and opera i feel like is the is really it's behind so monocular yeah 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 i and agree so any any particularly a singer any yeah. singer that claims any other interest mm -hmm is therefore not as serious as, serious. as a singer. That's right. I agree. Well, that's a, that's one of the... Being an ensemble singer sometimes, I mean, quite often works against... Pe I mean, there are a lot of people who sing ensemble in the ensemble that, you know, there are Grammys and doctors and... Yes. I mean, there are lots of really serious singers and we do a lot of gigging outside of the opera which i consider like my church job it's like my regular job right exactly but i, I never yeah 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 but i try not to say you know luckily i've got a lot of support and people that hire me despite knowing that but you know it's here in la which is fine that's kind of a choice that i've made having a family and having a home base and everything i i envy you that's the thing that's uh, you know i i have been ruinous in relationships because of just being gone, you know, and it's a, it's really difficult. How do you? I mean, cause you travel all the time. I, yeah. I would, I, as far as I can tell, I mean, you come through LA once or twice a year, but I don't see you much outside of that. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of reckoning with the fact that I'm not singing at LA Opera next season at all. Oh, because I've become so spoiled. It's to a great house, living isn't it? and working at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a luxury because I I mean I did four shows for LA Opera this season. Yeah. And I got to be home more than more than ever. Not. Yeah. And then that means that I'm tapped into my to chromatic. Mm -hmm. I get to, you know, walk my dog on our regular route every day. Where do you live? Do you have where do you live when you're here in town? Yeah, I have a house in Echo Park. In Echo Park. Yeah. I see. On the top of Baxter. It's the greatest. How long have you lived there? Well, my family has owned these four bungalows since 1969, uh -huh. since it was awesome. truly an uninhabitable terrifying sure. place sure. although they lived there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh i only i they had their first vacancy since the 80s right when i left james oh so my it was God. serendipity that is unbelievable yeah uh, and when okay yeah so how do you because you travel so much and i've had the same i've had some real problems uh with relationships how do you do that do you maintain a relationship with somebody or do you, do you not? Or how, I might be tell me some stories. Absolute worst person to ask. Tell me some story. It. I want some stories about it. How does it go? Because I need some advice. Whoa. Oh man, I'm bad at this. Um, hmm. Cause I find that, uh, okay. Like years ago before, you know, before any of this happened, I would spend so much time on the road and being uh, a tenor and, and being a good, <laughs> pretty good singer and the look on and your face right now being uh you know of a certain sexual persuasion i really did i, I had some trouble like mm -hmm. just managing yeah um 
and it, it was hard. It was bad for my life. Uh, you know, I just, I'm impulsive and I've made impulsive choices. And mm -hmm. I think that's part of being an artist. I think that's part of the thing that draws us to this business is that it accommodates people like us pretty well. Yeah. Um, Magnetizes. Yeah. So do say. you, I mean, are, how do you, do you maintain romantic relationships or do you, uh, how do you do that? What's the deal? Well, I mean, you, you know, full disclosure, you're talking to, a bisexual non-monogamist so okay so so actually it's the perfect <laughs> job for you <laughs> it's a, you couldn't be in a better position yeah i mean i i don't have any uh i don't have any claims about fidelity and i don't i don't expect it there you the, go and i don't provide do you, it i mean but. do you um but do you long for 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 constancy or instability or are you are are you not there in your life do you want to have kids do you what's the what's the landscape for you yeah let's okay we'll go there let's do it yep um i i wish that i did not want kids as desperately as i want kids okay that I really would be, yeah it's a real conflict with the way that you live i, yeah, I would be so yeah. happy if i could just not want that yeah um, it's strong though, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah. It's loony. Yeah. I I've mean, seen I'm it with my wife. Boy, I'm turning oh 33 on Tuesday, and I it's like tick now, tock, tick tock. go time. <laughs> now is the time. Let's do this. Yeah. 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 Um, it's complicated though, you know. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, I think yeah. It just now it's a question of, I know that I'll always be. Uh, have intimate relationships mm -hmm. and my dream of having um, I mean is the idea of constancy and a white picket fence and does that appeal to you at all or because certainly for me, not the white picket fence but constancy it does yeah and I think the the different meaning of that mm -hmm. you know it's it's for me that means uh, I want to I, like everyone I want to see someone truly as they are mm -hmm. and i want to be seen i don't i think as everyone is not true i think that i think your qualification of that statement is not true i oh, think dear. i think most people don't want that i they think don't want most to be people, seen i think most people say they want that but i think it's first i think it's really hard and scary to be yourself you just, I think you've just explained why so many of my relationships fail. It's very, yeah, exactly. It's very difficult. I think it's easy to say that I want to meet somebody who takes me for who I am, but you have to have, you have to have very little self-loathing for that to happen. And, mm. and in, in, uh, that's, that's hard for me. I, yeah. I mean, I've kicked myself down the road quite a bit. Well, I love, I mean, that's the part of it that I, I love that work. Like yeah, I love yeah. the idea and you know, I'm being coming out of a long it. relationship that, that did not work. Okay. Um, but, uh, I still hold on to that dream of, um, of just sharing a truth with, with uh -huh. one person, choosing sure. someone with whom I can share the reality of sure. my experience and we'll never really know anybody truly. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. 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 But, that curiosity about one person is know, so right? thrilling to yeah, me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And sharing and bearing yourself truly to someone, yeah. the light and being and at home, just being at home with somebody. It creates an right. idea of home. Well, me. what's hard, I mean, in this profession, and I, you know, I thought like, oh, great. Now that I have this, I'm, you know, functioning as costume designer and production designer and something, scenic designer and other things, mm -hmm. dramaturg and mm -hmm. some stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm like, great, I'll be home more. Mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> no. So I, I have now, in fact, added careers that take me out of town just as much as singing would. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just now splitting my time between singing and these other other things. Is but that what happened with transient. this last relationship? You just weren't around enough? No, no. I think if even if James and I had been locked in a room together for for that amount of time, it would have dissolved. It might have dissolved faster. I see. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, no, we, everything that happened is exactly as it should have I see. happened. But, um, I just sort of, I recently got myself into <laughs> yeah, go on. a thing. Yeah. Um, what's the thing? Oh, How's that going? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Well, where'd you, where'd you guys meet? Or girl, guy, girl. Well, this one's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, though I think he's, he self-identifies jokingly as a lesbian oh, sometimes. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I won't use names, but... Sure. Um, uh, is, is he a singer? No. Why would you, why do you say it like that? I oh, married a singer. Yeah, you're crazy. I, I, I know. Yeah, you're crazy. I do. Well, I, like, I do have that element of risk in me. Yeah, I still need to maintain <laughs> that a little bit. I have too much self-loathing about being a singer to ever... Nope, no singers. Yeah, what's that about? No. Is it because it's is it because we're not valued in 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 <laughs> general? <laughs> I mean, you know, when you say when people say what do you do, which seems to be the question that always happens, you say, "Oh, I'm a, I'm a singer." And oh, I don't say that. You don't. What I do lie. You say? <laughs> what do you say? I'm a respirateur. <laughs> no, I, I make something up usually. I like judge the situation. If I want the conversation to end immediately, I'll say accountant, which is hilarious because I don't even know what that means. Oh, that's funny. I don't even I don't do any of my own accounting. I yeah. have no idea. What do you say when people ask what you do? Sometimes I say um, a personal trainer. I'll say I'll say that because okay. I'm so fit. Yeah, it, well, yeah, that gets a that I, gets I, usually I a laugh. You, I know you. I know you're joking, but you are fit. So give it a break. <laughs> for an, maybe for an opera singer. <laughs> no, just for anybody. You're quite fit. Yeah. Um, no, I, I. It's funny because I like to. I personally distance myself from the singer thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally. Really. Yeah. You I don't, don't find own any cat. You don't find any. You can't turn that into cachet or something. Or you're not interested in that. Or I what don't know. is it? I think it might have to do with, um, with like pretension or, um, it feels very braggy actually. And it's funny because I spent my, most of my youth because I, I I was celebrated for my singing from such a young age. Um, I spent so much of my youth being the most conceited asshole. I just cursed. Really? I'm That's what I've been cursing. So you go, okay. you go right ahead. <laughs> I was a dick really? and I was so egomaniacal. I was, I was truly intolerable. Up until when? What changed? Maybe, maybe nothing aside, <laughs> <laughs> aside from my awareness about it. Yeah. Yeah. But so I have a, actually a really strong reaction against owning my success or owning even my identity as a singer. I, I kind of feel that way too. Why is it for you? What is it? I think because I watched it not go well in high school and um, and I watched myself alienate people even into grad school by being proud of myself. And so now it's, I don't have social media for this reason. Uh-huh. I don't do my own website for this reason. Uh-huh. I don't tell people about anything I'm doing. God, I don't either. I, oh. I'm the same way. <gasps> Can we hug? I'm the same way. Oh my God. I just did my first uh, musical ever. I've never sung Broadway style musical and I, I did it two weeks ago this uh today wow what musical uh it was a spec a spec thing for for investors semi-staged cool i was the lead i had nine musical numbers you do look like a matinee idol and it 
I, I, I mean, I don't mean to be braggy. I really don't, but I killed it. Like it, this kind of singing for me is amazing. Yeah. I mean, everybody was said, wow, you, you look and act just like Mandy Patinkin, but you're so much better, which was you know amazing. What? That is a compliment, which was a real compliment. A so anyway, compliment. I didn't tell anybody. I told my mom and my mother-in-law. Those are the only people. That's me that too. Came. That's how it goes. That's it. Why is that? I don't know. Is it a reaction to the, the boastful nature that you had? Is it like penance or something? I think so. I think it is. You and know? and also I, I because of that past, I think I I unfairly judge other people who are much more self-promoting yes. online particularly. God, we are so much alike that way. And I and I totally acknowledge that it's my own shit. Me too. And yeah, me too. and but I and I know that I wish that I could set that aside and just own what I do and and not comment on it yeah. in a self-aggrandizing way, but just say it. I think for me, it has to do with when I don't do well, it makes it so much harder. When mm. I've boasted and bragged and then I fall, oh. it makes the fall so much farther. Right. This is a large theme in my life. Yeah. If I sit in the back of the room and I don't seem like I'm that's right. giving a shit. That's right. Then when I fail, that's right. I basically set myself up to fail. It's like a. It's but for, if I succeed, then it's then against I'm all remarkable. odds. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah. a rope a dope. It's like when a boxer sits on the ropes and just gets pummeled and then comes out. Yep. You know, and knocks the guy out. Yeah. That's how I feel. That's Isn't so that funny. just a great dream? Yeah, man. I really want to be able to. That's part of this podcast too. Um, is to get over exactly that because there are some um, chats that I have posted that some friends say, "Dude, you should take that down. That's not great." And I'm like, "Fuck that! I <laughs> need to. All, yeah, I've got to just put it out there. And whatever happens, it's fine. And that's just part of my like therapy, I guess. Yeah. Well, to me, this is actually part of my manifesto in life. Yeah. Um. And and a huge part of the mission statement for Chromatic, which is if we don't speak in truths and acknowledge our fallibility and mm -hmm. our vulnerability as artists, mm -hmm. it, the art will not be as effective. Well, you belie the whole, the whole purpose of art for me is not the whole purpose, but a huge chunk of it is the process. And if you, and if you deny the struggles in that process, it devalues the product that you're producing, I think. Of course, I mean, it's, you, the you, process is, is it. felt in in the product. Yes. And if the the biggest the, for me, cause I'm so um, comically visual about stuff. But for me, the image is if singers on stage, right, mm -hmm. are masking their humanity mm -hmm. in order to present this like homogenized yes product product mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. is very consistent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doesn't have the risk of maybe going outside of it and that's being just part better of the paradigm of what worse. people it's expect just, yeah. i encapsulate i will congeal my art into this mask that i will put on for mm -hmm. you and i will do this mm -hmm. and i want you audience to have a unmasked uninhibited emotional Reaction. response mm -hmm. what yep how i think that's media at play i think that's what happened when phonographs were invented and then tapes and then CDs and what it does is it sets a it sets a bar for what you expect so when you go to see Giovanni you you know you have so and so in mind and it's if he doesn't sound that way it's no good right I think that's really happened that's, oh 100% and that's true. why everybody that's why we have to sing so goddamn loudly now too right I know because everybody puts earphones in and they're like well I can barely hear these guys because you're yeah. fucking deaf from listening to your it's so true yeah we put it we've we've really gotten ourselves into a corner yeah i think so too but you know people say a lot of people say that opera is 
dying, but I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think that, I think that the arts in general are thriving and the people who say it's dying are just the people that don't value it and don't go see it. I, I do think that a certain model of opera is becoming, uh, impossible to produce. You mean financially? Uh, yeah, but also artistically. I think that the value set, I'm very biased mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. But the priorities of some of the more traditional large-scale operas, I think, will be reordered. And what do you assume or those they priorities are? What, do you, what are they trying to achieve? What? I think they're trying to achieve uh, uh, continuity. They're trying to keep a straight line from the golden era. Oddly, that golden era was basically defined in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um 60s to the 80s sure and yeah. that um, are you talking about singing style production style everything i think it's really on the highest in america mm -hmm. um that gold standard of the big show mm -hmm. with the big voice mm -hmm. and the big traditional nothing conceptual at all just to just on yeah. the nose everything on the nose and to me there is absolutely nothing wrong with any of those desires mm -hmm. and those goals mm -hmm. If the primary goal is human storytelling. That's right. Because That's right. without that, to me, mm -hmm. everything else is superfluous. Mm -hmm. And it's not art anymore. No. Yeah. So it's to me. It's just presentational. It's just a way to sell Lexus ads in the program at yes, that point. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm -hmm. And financial planning and yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the idea of, so to me, if the number one priority is human storytelling, mm -hmm which seems absolutely timeless and vital. We have been obsessed right. with it. That's the whole point of any any art anyway. I yes. mean, that's that's the reason we have opera. That's how it started. Was that's to also tell the reason we have secular Netflix. Stories. It's yeah. the reason we have people, you know, sit in their house with a laptop on their chest. Mm -hmm. Like this, they want stories. They want to be moved as that's humans. Right. And production value can supplement it absolutely. Like mm -hmm. as, as a visual person, I know mm -hmm. how moving great visuals and a beautiful production can be, mm -hmm. but not if it's meaningless, mm -hmm. not if the singers are plugging in with their mask on mm -hmm. and giving me a canned performance that they've found that is the go, safest version yeah, of that thing. I could go to iTunes and listen to the same thing and right. not even have to be there. No, I've I want to feel shows. something. We've all seen those yeah. shows yeah. more often than not. Yeah. 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 And to me, that kind of, that, misordering of priority yeah. can be true in the most modern piece. That's right. Yeah. Where in, it's just the, art for art's sake at that point. Yes. Yeah. That drives me just as crazy. So to me, just change the order of priority, like bring theater back into opera full force. That's where I think LA opera really excels. They, they produce enough shows during the season to draw in people that are not familiar with opera, but they also offer one or two, of course, I'd like to see four or five, but they do, uh, offer enough interest and conceptual, you know, ch conceptually challenging productions to really bring in people like me who will actually come and see a show yeah. and not be on stage. Yeah. Like, uh, no, they're covering their bases. Really you know, like well. the bar talk we did last season. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I couldn't. I was blown away by it. Spectacular. The that one that James Conlon put on uh, about the dwarf. Yeah, oh yeah. God damn! I mean, these these shows are really they really knock my socks off. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do understand what you're saying, and I, I, um, I agree with that. I mean, Barry Kosky. Um, oh, jeez, that magic flute. I mean. Yeah. Wow. And also the Bluebeard, you the, know. Unbelievable, the, yeah. He, I think that he is a, a prime example of someone yeah. who gets. He's spearheading it, yeah. He gets that. He's, he's putting 
theater first mm-hmm. and that the, the you know the catches you don't then let the musical value drop you mm-hmm. don't have to mm-hmm. so the actually i sing best mm-hmm. when i am activated as an actor mm-hmm. when i am like set loose in yeah. a room yeah. otherwise my voice can i can get very controlled and control is not what opera is about that's funny because the one of my favorite directors is the one that all singers hate to be directed by who uh, you know the guy who does all these crazy robert wilson robert wilson yeah uh, the Parsifal that I saw of his, uh, which was like Placido's last go of it, he, you know, p- singers can't stand it. But in the audience, I find it so arresting, so visually arresting. And it creates this um, dialogue between the singers and the players and the direct, like the direction is a character in the, Absolutely. In the, in the pr- presentation. I, I find it mesmerizing. I've been, I've been studying his Peleos, mm-hmm. um, which is just so beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. I'm designing a Peleos with Longre coming up. But oh, fantastic. The, um, I think that the, the great thing about what he does that's kind of under... I don't know how crucial it is to his process. I've never worked with him directly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would kill to. God, it's, it's um, so tiring. But oh, what God. it does is that I think is the most powerful as a singer is it forces singers to strip away their default physicality they transcend so if you are forced to to release your default moves that you Mm -hmm. do you maybe don't even know you do Mm -hmm. as a performer Mm -hmm. your stock whatever Mm -hmm. which we all have yeah i totally have yep and you are forced to stand there and do these very choreographed still gestures Mm -hmm. with this vacancy of of emotional commentary in your Mm -hmm. face Mm mm-hmm what on earth will come up instead yeah and that is it's so transcendent it really thrilling. is yeah it's thrilling and it's so against what often happens which is like put the singer in some glorious costume yeah. and let then them wander let them around. do their shtick yeah. <laughs> really yeah and even if that shtick is remarkable yeah for like each placido singer, for instance fuck i mean he brings it every time he makes me just melt me into too. a puddle i love it i every love every time and he's so generous and he's so great at what he does and it's he still gets nervous and it, i mean it's just everything that you hope that a superstar is yeah he he, in, he embodies that. he certainly he certainly has a uh a physical presence that is consistent mm-hmm. but the difference with him to some of these other major singers um that i see and stuff is that he is completely and totally emotionally connected to yeah, totally. every every singer on stage yep. every member of the chorus yep. every supernumerary yep. he connects and he will lock eyes with you yes. if the moment calls for it yes and that is that is what it's about yes. and but the amount of singers i mean the amount of people that i've shared the stage with who won't even make eye contact with yeah. me in yeah. a love scene mm-hmm. like what are we doing i think a lot of it has to do honestly with um I don't want to say IQ, but I I think I think this business favors people that aren't too sharp. I totally disagree. You do? I think that we are I, trained. I think some of the sh- best tenors I've ever sung with are dumb as bricks. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't know enough to be terrified. <laughs> well, I would say I think that certainly ignorance is bliss. Okay. But yes. the capacity for intelligence and the capacity for interest, yeah. I believe, is totally indicated and dictated by our training. And the training is so 
tightly zoomed in mm-hmm. on the sound of your voice mm-hmm. at any given moment, mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. So the singers that that James and I have worked with, mm-hmm. um, I can never, I, I am shocked to see these singers that I think are kind of square and just sticky and going to do their square thing. Huh. If they are invited and you have a candid conversation, I watch James do this all the time. Yeah. Sit down and say like, what do you think about shaking this off like what if we play and the floodgates open yeah and then they're suddenly so complex and interesting and have and it materializes physically and their voices sound incredible and it's we're just we need to be given the freedom to be vulnerable to fail why do you think that's not encouraged is it too risky yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's old school in the same way that, you know, it's the I think it's one of the last death grips of the, the business. old dead mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I, frankly, I hope dies mm-hmm. because we can do a beautiful, very realist traditional production, mm-hmm. but give me living people. Maybe the way that I think about singers is, is old school. Maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe that is something left over from when I started singing 20 years ago. I'm sure you were trained into it. Oh, that's a big puppy. <gasps> so for all all our listeners, we've, I've got a standard poodle who likes to barge in to the uh, studio. <laughs> that's Sam. Sam, go lie down. Do you smell my Twombly? Hi, sweetie. You have a dog named Twombly? a black thing. Named after Cy Twombly? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Aren't you sophisticated? No. <laughs> it's, it's not actually that that cool. He he died right before Aww. I rescued her. And I love, I do love him. Aww. But her name in the rescue, they gave every, she was born in a rescue. Yeah. And all the puppies they named, of the litter, they named after big hair bands. And so hers was Twisted Sister. Oh boy. Okay. And I was like, what mm. what TW word? And then there was there was a dirty one. And then I imagined yeah. myself shouting it at yeah, the dog yeah, park. Yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. I had Cy Twombly on my mind because he had just died. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. So she's my Twombly. I wanted to go back um, and talk you mentioned when when people ask you, yeah, let's have let's have some coffee. Let's I need some something cool. It's getting hot in here. I'm now furious that I'm on a timeline. I know, I know. know. You're just lovely to be with. I'd love to have you back. I feel as though we could do this all day. I totally agree. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe this can be part of your um, collaboration. You can just be my (laughs) co-host, except we won't have any guests. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So you mentioned when when people ask you what you do, you think it's funny to say um, personal trainer, which I. I understand, but that kind of brought, brings me to my question about the show that you're doing now. What is it? Uh, you obviously have some. I don't. I don't know if you're if you fancy yourself a realist or if you have insecurities about how you look or your body. But mm. you you spend most of this time on stage with the show you're doing in the nude. I do. How how did you? First of all, how do you feel about that? How? Yes, that's the first question. How do you feel about that? As I would be fucking terrified. <laughs> I would have been in the gym for like six months. Yeah. I wish I had done that. That would have been a really good idea. I mean, when you got the offer, did you, did it, what happened? Uh, well, um, you know, I hate to confess it, but um, when I got the offer, it said nothing about nudity. What? Um, 
but the piece was called Anatomy Theater. Okay. And I knew, that, and my role was called Sarah Osborne. You and thought maybe you'd be wearing one of those body stockings with all the well, <laughs> stuff painted on no, it. No, <laughs> so it's crazy because I saw the name of the piece and saw my function in the piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and just instantly assumed I would be naked the whole time. Oh, okay. Um, so it wasn't even a... So it wasn't that you were like, you showed up and you're like, what... No, I assumed it. And then what was okay. amazing was that they did not intend, they didn't plan to have me be naked. Really? No. So their plan was to put me in a full body, like flesh tone, yeah. Spanx, S unitard. type thing, uh-huh. Um, and then that had a Velcro slit across the torso. And then they were stuffing it. It would have been pre-stuffed. Uh-huh, with guts. With guts, almost like a horror film pregnancy gone wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I vetoed that instantly. <laughs> you did. I did. Well, I mean, I had no power. I'm not yeah, a designer yeah, yeah. on this piece. Yeah, but but I simply suggested, said, yeah. hey, tell me about your goals here. Um, I think that maybe our goals could be achieved better if I simply were naked and we simply covered me with blood and then pulled the guts out from behind my back or, you know, whatever. We ended up going with a series of different um, tech solutions. And they were like, oh. Whoa, let's think about that. And it was a big discussion. Yeah. I was I pushed for it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh not as a but that's the whole that's the whole problem about being both a creative, you know, being on the production yeah, yeah, side yeah, of things yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And then having to suffer and the, being a singer. Because artistically <laughs> your own decisions. Yeah, yeah. Artistically I was like, there's no question that's what should happen. Sure. But then I do I want to do that. Then I had yeah. to do it. Um so I had to I've been naked and stuff before. Never full naked. Yeah, yeah. Um my butt's been in stuff. My boobs have been in a lot of stuff. One of my reviews, um, the title of the review was Brave and Boobalicious. Okay. <laughs> Those are two very good descriptors. Yeah, that was yeah. the title of the I'd whole I put that review. on my website. I did not. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the naked thing, I think it was harder the first show I did that I was topless. Okay. Um, which was Maria de Buenos Aires at okay. Long Beach Opera and that mm -hmm. went to Chicago Opera Theater. Mm -hmm. And um, that one, I just, you know, I had to talk myself into it. And this one you didn't find? No, I'd done it. And it was the hardest thing about this one is it's, just being still. It's the practical part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. I see. Um, the good news for this one is since it's a period piece, mm -hmm. um, I have the right body for mm -hmm. it. Sure. So if it you would mean be like a normal person? Well, like, yeah, like yeah. a, like a, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, 19th not, century not porn star body. of today yeah. playing a prostitute of now in the porn industry oh, sure. would be harder for me. Sure. Um, but I am, I think my body is appropriate for the environment. Wow. So you really, you're just nonplussed by it. It seems. Yeah. It's wow. fine. That's amazing. I've I would be neurotic. Kind of I would just be crazy. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I have I just have deep self-loathing about how I look. I do too. You just have to shelve it. I guess, yeah. You shelve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's after this? What do you have coming up after this? Because I, I know you've got to. I know you've got to head out. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening? I immediately I fly the at six a.m. after we close to uh, New York to do my biggest costume design show to date, Mascagni's Iris at Bard Summerscape. I don't know anything about it. I know. Wow. Leon Botstein's thing. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a big show. How exciting. Huge, huge, huge costume design show. And then what are you singing next? What do you have on the books? I sing, um, I do uh, La Tragedie de Carmen mm -hmm. in two places. Mm -hmm. 
um, which is sort of me like I've done it a couple of times, um, not in the past couple seasons, but I'm gearing up to to do a Carmen, a full Carmen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think oddly is seems as though it might have been written for me. Yeah, you find it's a good fit. <laughs> it's eerie. It's an eerie. Dramatically or vocally or both. All of it. Everything. Yeah. It just feels all of it easy for you. Yeah. That's great. That's somebody. She's in me for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do, so you're booked. I mean, you're booked. Yeah, for, I'm booked. So then I do um, for a year, or how how far up are you booked? How far in advance do you go? I have stuff in in two twenty. Wow. But but it's getting weird because I now have to leave. I'm I'm turning more more singing things down. Mm-hmm. Um, As you're liking these other things. Because I need to make room for the production stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which oddly, I get singing is planned further. Ad- in advance yeah then the some of the design stuff yeah yeah so but you find that just as fulfilling as performing on stage at the moment i find it more fulfilling you do i think it's just because because it's, it's different new. yeah yeah mm-hmm. it feels like like uh i have that in me too yeah i have yeah I, I just discovered just in the past few weeks that some of my some of the malaise that washes over me or ennui that i'm prone to is the result of not having big like paradigm shifts i i i thrive with giant uh shifts in my in the way that i see the world in the way i see myself in my schedule yeah uh in the people that i'm around i i and so in that way that's why i had that those questions about constancy for you is that i i i need to i'm trying to find a balance between uh adventure and constancy and it's it's anyway no, for me yeah, that we're, we're for me that, that thread is uh, is emotional intimacy with those closest to me. Yeah. Um, because if I have that, then I can go anywhere and do anything, and I need my dog with me all the time. Do you form bonds quickly with people when I you do. show up? Yeah. I do the same thing just to survive that way, just to feel. Yeah, I'm getting better about not doing it as much mm-hmm. because then I end up feeling like I'm using people. Oh, I see. Um, because then I literally evaporate. Uh-huh. I'm really because I'm not on social media or anything. You I don't, don't have those well. tendrils. Um, and yeah, I, so I've gotten much more uh, interior. I, uh, yeah, insular. Insular. I, I think, insular. I think yeah, that liquid you that we're all trained to do. <laughs> um, the I I've, it seems like social media would be great for you in that way. I know. Maybe I, you could I wish uh, as a I pseudonym or something. No, I'm allergic to the whole. I don't know. Oh, because you're a Luddite at heart or you just don't like I technology am a so, so much? I got an iPad Pro recently. Though, I saw that. Which I don't it's like carrying at a TV all screen. know how to use. But I use it for my design stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have all my sketching and, and everything on there. But I basically don't know how to use it. Well, you look good carrying it. Thanks. <laughs> Very professional. So did we cover everything? What else? Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Hmm. Are we done? Hmm. What time is it? It is twelve twenty-four. Now we have to be done. Okay, it sure was nice having you. Likewise. I, you know, I always, I really do adore running into you, and it seems serendipitous when we do connect, and it's always such a nice uh, reunion when I see you. So you're always welcome, and I would love to see you again. I very early on identified you as a kindred spirit, maybe because of like the light and dark in the eyes thing. 
Yeah, maybe that's it. But I, I feel the, the same way. I know the tortured and joyous souls when I see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Peabody Southwell, I appreciate you coming. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. Peabody Southwell. I want to thank her again for coming by. That was one of my most comfortable interviews. I thought we had a lot of interesting things to talk about. I wish her all the success in the world. She's a very hard worker, and uh, she's busy doing a lot of things. And I also want to thank all of you guys for tuning in. I uh, am going to keep working at this. I hope to get better at it. I'm trying my best. And uh, just thanks for sticking it out with me. It's, it's been a really nice time so far, and I look forward to a lot more in the future. And thanks again for tuning in. like to dance, you like long walks, and you wear clean pants, genius. Get on to my show.